The New York Giants held their third OTA. I was there. What did I see? What are my takeaways? That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I'm your host, Patricia Chena, and on today's episode of the Locked On Giants podcast, we're talking OTA number three. There was media access, so I was there. I have a whole list of observations, thoughts, takeaways, and whatnot that I'm going to share with you on this podcast, which, by the way, I'm getting out to you um, a little bit earlier than usual, because I know a lot of you are have been looking for this podcast and a lot of you have questions for me. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and uh, get that out and hope that you enjoy it. So thank you, as always, for making us your first listener of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Let's get started. All right. I have all my observations in my little notebook here. Um I think the most logical place to start here with regards to this OTA that the Giants held is what the purpose was. And you heard me mention in the preview yesterday, so when you watched that show, that there's no pads, there's no contact in these, these OTAs. And sure enough, you know, not that I needed Brian Dable to confirm that, but he said, look, the purpose of this is that it is a teaching camp. So it, in that regards, it's also more of a passing camp. And that's what was on full display during the workouts today. It was more about the pass than anything else. And that's because, you know, with the run game, you can't really, you know, have contact. So the Giants focus on that. Um, some, some quick notes about that, though. I saw a lot more deep passes thrown by Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor than I can ever recall there being in, a, in an OTA. So, you know, the Giants put, they went out and they upgraded the speed on both sides of the ball, on defense and on offense. And ladies and gentlemen, that speed was on display in this particular OTA. And I say that even though I have to, I have to uh, put a little asterisk here, even though the drills were not run at full speed. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, in a little bit, but um, what I one of my main takeaways in watching the various receivers, um, tight end Darren Waller, who was one of the stars of the camp or for this particular day, is that they did a nice job doing something that we didn't see very often from receivers last year. And that's separating. Yep, they were getting like one or two steps on guys. I mean, there there was enough and you know, space between the receiving target. And the defender and Daniel Jones, ladies and gentlemen, 19 of 20, unofficially by my account, um, he was hitting, you know, baskets, if you will. He, he was just dropping that ball in there and the receiving targets were just coming up with him. I think the one pass that went incomplete was, uh, it looked like a miscommunication with Daniel Bellinger. But other than that, Daniel Jones was on fire. Now, I do need to, you know, asterisk this and say that. You know, there were two forms of the team drills. There was the seven on seven and the 11 on 11. And what the Giants did 
in the uh, two distinct team drills is that for the 11 on 11, the players worked without their helmets. So it was done at a walk through type of speed where guys were just kind of lining up and running their routes. We're not even running their routes, but kind of, you know, like walking quickly to their routes so that they could see the formation develop. It's kind of like slow-mo. You're watching the formation develop. And it was here, by the way, that Sterling Shepard got some reps in, which was nice to see. Sterling Shepard recovering from the torn ACL last year. For the seven-on-seven drills, that's where, you know, they put the helmets on and it was a little bit faster in terms of tempo, but still not 100%, you know, full speed. It was an opportunity to practice what they had done in the 11 on 11 um, to, you know, take that and just, you know, play it at a faster speed, but without the pit action. So that was pretty interesting. Um, let's talk real quick about injuries and attendance and, and uh, a couple of thoughts I have about uh, guys who weren't there. Um, injuries. The only injury that we know to have developed was that suffered by David Sills, wide receiver. Sills went up for a pass from Tyrod Taylor, and I don't think he came down with it. I didn't see him come down with it, but he went down pretty hard and got up very slowly, wincing in pain. Um, I don't know if it's a rib or a back. I don't want to diagnose the injury or whatnot, but he walked off the field, which is always a good sign, but he was in some significant pains. So we'll have to see, you know, how that affects David Sills the rest of the way. On the side, working with trainers for the most part, Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard, Makai Pohl, Kyrie Phillips, Marcus McKeithen, Ellerson Smith, Darian Biebers, Aaron Robinson, Jason Pinnock, and Dane Belton. I mentioned those guys because we know about some of the season and ending injuries suffered by some of those guys, but there were new guys in the mix that I'm assuming had off-season procedures. So for example, um, Pinnock and, and Belton, two young safeties, they didn't have season-ending injuries, but um, I had actually heard that Belton had undergone off-season surgery, I think on his shoulder. I'm not sure, but I had heard that he had had a procedure done. Pinnock, I wasn't aware of what he had done, but he, he must have had something done. Um, you know, Polk and Tyree Phillips, two other guys who finished out the season last year and, you know, apparently had some kind of procedure done in the offseason. So that was important, I thought, to mention because, you know, these guys, I think, will be ready for the start of training camp with the exception of Wandale Robinson and Sterling Shepard, who I think will both start on PUP. But, you know, this is worth keeping an eye on. Um, head coach Brian Dable said that these injured guys are all at various stages in their rehab. So for him to give a, an update, and I know the question was asked today, he just, you know, wasn't willing to do that because guys were at different stages. And quite frankly, it's only what, May 25th. So, you know, doesn't really matter right now. Um, attendance. Now I said on yesterday's show that attendance doesn't matter because it is voluntary, number one. And number two, it's not a big deal if a guy um, misses a practice at this stage. You know, if, it, if he was a newcomer to the team, it would be more of a bigger deal, in my opinion. But the guy's not there. Obviously, the three big names, Saquon Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams. 
Saquon cannot report until he either signs a partition, part, excuse me, a participation agreement waiver or the tag or a new contract. And I don't see any of that happening until July at the soonest. They have the July 17 deadline. Um, what I am curious to see is if Saquon Barkley decides to sit out training camp you know, with his final leverage that he might have. Of course, by July 17th, to be honest with you, if they don't have a new agreement in place, what's the point of sitting out? You know, that's like, at that point, that's like sitting in the corner, holding your breath till your face turns blue. It's not going to change anything because once that July 17th deadline comes and goes, if you don't have a new deal, what are you going to accomplish by sitting out? But we'll see. Because, you know, I have heard whispers that that's what Saquon's side is contemplating. I personally think he's going to be there for the start of training camp, which I believe is July 25th. Um, That's when the rookies and quarterbacks and select players show up. And then I believe two days later um, is when the, the team can open up training camp. The way it works is you count back 14 days from the first preseason game. Preseason schedule, by the way announced um, by the Giants today. So that's the story with Saquon. Now, Dexter and Leo, I am not surprised that Dexter Lawrence isn't there because, as I pointed out, in his new contract extension, Dexter Lawrence doesn't have a workout bonus. Ergo, he has no reason to really come other than to you know maybe be with his teammates. And you know what? As long as he's at the mandatory minicamp, and he will be there, I doubt I, I don't doubt that for a second. That's all that really matters. Same thing with Leonard Williams. Um, Leonard Williams in the final year of his deal. Historically, Leonard Williams hasn't, you know, even though he's got a, um, a workout bonus in his contract, typically he's he, he chooses to do his own thing and then he shows up when he needs to. It's year two of the system for Dexter and Leo. I am not concerned that they are not there right now because, again, what they're doing right now is a passing camp. There's no contact. There's no getting after the the quarterback. There's no, you know, uh, run defense or anything like that. So it's really not that big of a deal, in my opinion, that these two guys aren't there. So, um, you know, now there were a a few other guys that, that, you know, according to those who took attendance, I was not one of them, but those who took attendance mentioned some other guys that weren't there, but Dable said that there were going to be guys that, that had things that going on and that they wouldn't be there just because guys weren't seen on the field. Doesn't mean that they weren't a on the property somewhere, maybe inside getting treatment or that they had skipped the first, you know, three OTAs, you know, maybe they were there for the first two and maybe some of them figured, okay, you know what? It's a long weekend coming up. The next OTA isn't until Tuesday. I'll get a jump start on a nice long weekend at home. So not a big deal as far as attendance. I think so much is made of that this time of year and it's really not a big deal. So, all right, coming up next, I have some specific thoughts and observations from the practice. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then you got to try a Built Bar or Built Puff. These tasty treats are healthy and amazing with each bar puff covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like eating a candy bar, 
but without all the fat, carbs, and sugar. And with Built Bars and Puffs, you're getting a generous dose of protein in every serving. We're talking on average about 17 grams, with most bars boasting about 130 calories and four grams of sugar. And did you know you don't have to wait any longer? To have your box shipped from Built, just pop into your local Sam's Club or Walmart to pick up your box of assorted flavors. Or if you really want to put together your customized box, you can do so and take 15% off your first order by using our special promo code LOCKEDON15. That's LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your first order at Built.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trana. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen and or watch. I appreciate you. And I especially want to send shout outs to my new followers over on Instagram. I think I picked up something like uh, 25 new followers over there, which is quite an accomplishment for me because that's been coming along at a slow pace. Um, my goal is to get to 10,000 and I got a long way to go. I'm not even at 2000 yet, but I have a long way to go. But my Instagram account at Patty Trainer, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A. That's where I've been posting videos, audio clips as you know they're recorded. Um, I've been getting those out quickly um, so that those who are following me over on Instagram can see that quickly enough. Um, I've also been... Uh, taking advantage of the new campaign that we have going on, the text campaign. Now, some of you have asked me, where can you find details about this text campaign where I'm exclusively sending out, you know, things that are not appearing on the podcast, um, little tidbits that you don't see in Giants country. The information to sign up or to find more information is in the show notes. So check that out. The special offer right now is 14 days free trial. If you don't like it, you cancel. Oh, nothing. If you like it, you sign up using the code PTRAIN and you get two months for the price of one. The price of one being $4.99. So two months comes out to, I think, $2.50 or something like that. So that's where you can find that information. And uh, lastly, I just a shout out to my everydayers. If you're an everydayer, let me know. If you're new to the podcast, let me know as well, because you know I do try to give shout outs to specific individuals who say, hey, you know, I'm a everyday or I'm, you know, I'm a new listener, you know, it's the least I can do. Right. So, all right, let's get back to some thoughts, observations. These are specific to the practice, just some general observations I wrote down. Now, again, no contact, no pads in these practices. So some of the stuff you may want to take with a grain of salt, but I'll share it with you anyway, because that's just what I do. Um, the Daniel Jones to Darren Waller connection. Now, this was something I really wanted to, to watch carefully because, you know, Daniel Jones is what, 6'5", Darren Waller is like 6'6". And when you have a tall quarterback throwing to a tall receiving target, I wanted to see where the, the uh, catch point of the ball was going to be. And I found that pretty interesting because Daniel and, and, and uh, Darren First off, they look like they've been throwing and playing throw and, and catch now for forever. I mean, that's how comfortable they've gotten to with each other. But what I particularly noticed and I liked is that Daniel was getting the ball up higher for Darren and he was easily snagging it down because he's so tall and he has that wide catch radius. Folks, that's going to be important because you put Darren Waller up against a smaller defender, you know, a guy who's like under six foot. No way is that guy going to, you know, 
have a lot of success in breaking up passes. So that was something I, I definitely took note of was the catch point between um, uh, Daniel Jones and Darren Waller. I think that's something you want to keep an eye on if you're going to training camp or watching the preseason games. That's something you'll want to keep an eye on for sure. John Michael Schmitz, I got a lot of questions about him. Um, the, the offensive line, for what it's worth, the first team offensive line was Andrew Thomas. This is from left tackle to right tackle, obviously. Andrew Thomas, Ben Bredesen, John Michael Schmitz, Mark Lewinsky, and Evan Neal. So admittedly, at first I was surprised that Bredesen was at left guard because, you, you know, I've heard that they want to get um, Azuda in there. But Azuda, as I mentioned, um, you know, he, he's coming back from an injury and he was kind of, you know, limited as to what he did. So Bredesen finished out the year at left guard. He is the incumbent going in. It's his job to lose and it's up to Azudu to win it. But let me get back to John Michael Schmitz because a lot of you asked me about him. Now, again, no pads, no contact, but I did watch John Michael Schmitz in the 11 on 11 drills. And a couple things kind of stood out to me about John Michael Schmitz. Number one, when he was getting ready to snap the ball, he held his head up all the time. Now, sometimes when you watch young centers, they're looking down at the ball a little bit. So their head is not, you know, flush straight ahead to the guy in front of him. They're kind of like looking downward a little bit. And that means their, their vision sight, their vision sight line gets adjusted, their peripheral vision. John Michael Schmitz was looking straight ahead. It was if, you know, snap the ball, boom. I know where it's going. I know it's going to get to the quarterback. I'm not worried about it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I begged the Giants to draft a pure center, a guy who had done it in college, because that is a common thing that you see with guard converts to centers. They, they're like always looking down. It's kind of like um, a guitar player, a beginning guitar player. You know, when you first learn the guitar, you're watching your fingers on the fretboard just to make sure they go in the right spot. But as you build up that muscle memory, you don't have to look. You can play by feel on the fretboard. So it was kind of the same thing with John Michael Schmitz. And, you know, the other thing I really kind of liked about him was his leverage that he was getting. So when he sank down into his stance, he had enough leverage to where good luck bowling him over. And you know what? He was also lightning quick in getting out of his stance. So again, it's not like, you know, the plays were being run at full speed, but a lot of encouraging things from John Michael Schmitz, I thought, um, in terms of playing center. So I can't wait to see him with, uh, with pads on. Now, Schmitz also remember when he came to the Giants uh, for the rookie camp, he talked about the dead ball snap. And uh, he said he was going to ask Daniel Jones you know, what he thought about it. And if he thought, you know, do you want to keep it or you want to go back to a traditional snap? Daniel's fine with the dead ball snap. So that's what we're going to see with uh, Schmitz and Daniel Jones. And that's what we were seeing today, actually a little bit of. So that's going to be interesting. Now, the other thing I'm kind of curious about, not that I think we'll have to worry about it too much, but I wonder how Tyrod Taylor feels about it, you know, in case he ever has to go in there. Just a thought. So. Okay, what else? 
tight end Daniel Bellinger, you know, with all the attention being paid to, um, to Darren Waller, Bellinger had himself a nice day of practice as well. And I made this observation on Twitter. If you want to look, look, go back and look at my Twitter uh, account at Patricia underscore trainer, Bellinger got bigger up top, like noticeably bigger. Now, how does that translate over in terms of blocking, which is where you want to have that upper body strength? Don't know yet because they didn't do any blocking, but that's something to keep an eye on, you know, to tuck away for later once they get to training camp. I also, uh, only because the, the tight ends were working in front of me, took a look at Tommy Sweeney and Lawrence Cager. Um, now, over on Giants Country, we've been doing player profiles. And Coach Gene did the, uh, I, I think he did the one on Lawrence Cager, and he made a really good point. The final tight end spot will likely come down to Cager or Tommy Sweeney. And the question is, is what did the Giants want? in the third tight end. Do they want a blocker of which Sweeney is, or do they want a pass catcher of which Cager is more of? So, you know, I'm watching Cager and I'm watching how fluid and smooth he is in running patterns. Understandably so, because he used to be a wide receiver. And then, you know, I'm watching Tommy Sweeney and Sweeney to me was clunky And not really, didn't really have explosiveness or burst in his steps. Like, you know, it almost looked like he lumbered when running. Had soft hands. I didn't see him drop any passes, but just not very um, gazelle-like when running and routes and, you know, catching the ball and picking up yards after catch. So I'm curious to see how that battle shapes up because that is one of the underrated battles that this team has going on. Darius Slayton, let's talk about him. Darius Slayton has long been a favorite of Daniel Jones's. He had a big day today, a nice practice, caught at least a couple of balls, including one deep ball that was a beautiful, beautiful deep ball against Amadi Oruari. I hope I said that right. Uh, Oruari, by the way, didn't have very good practice. He was toasted a couple of times. Um, and I'll just real quick mention that Oruari, to me, Looked like he was doing a little too much thinking. He wasn't moving as fast as he should have been or needed to be in order to keep up with the coverage. So, yeah, I I thought, you know, Darius Slayton had himself a good game, to be honest with you. Um, overall, the camp, very loose. You know, I thought a lot more guys were relaxed, whereas last year everybody was too busy, you know, trying to learn the coaches, impress the coaches. Now you don't really have that that tension just yet because, again, Dable said jobs are not won or lost in this camp. Um, another change, actually, I'll, I'll mention two changes uh, that I, I noticed in the practice sessions. Number one was last year, Dable had the injured players or guys who were recovering from, you know, an ailment in red jerseys. They didn't do that this year. So the red jerseys were reserved for the quarterbacks and the kickers. End of story. And I mentioned the helmet thing. So with 11 on 11, no helmets. This way, there was there's maybe no temptation for somebody to be ultra aggressive. And uh, for seven on seven, there were helmets used. So, you know, I go back again to how they structured the practice. The 11 on 11, you know, 
was that was done in slow-mo guys were basically walking to the spot they needed to do to and i guess that was to let the quarterbacks see how everything developed and then you know decide where to go with the ball you know see how everything was supposed to play out which i thought was a pretty good approach to be honest with you and then when they went to seven on seven you know you take away the offensive line and the defensive line and boom now you now you can speed things up a little bit although again it wasn't at full speed so i just thought that was a a, a noticeable thing um, that stood out to me. All right, folks, still have a lot more than I want to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and I'm just running down, uh, emptying out my notebook here with the observations and takeaways that I wrote down from OTA number three. Now, the Giants, they have uh, Friday off. Um, they have Monday off for the holiday. And uh, they are next back on the field on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then the media is next back in the building on Wednesday for OTA number, I believe it's number six or five, is it? Today was three. So Tuesday would be four. So it would be probably five. Okay. I thought it was six, but anyway, um, I will be there next week, you know, so uh, I will continue to bring you observations. If there is something in particular that you're curious about, drop me a note. The information's in the show notes. Anytime you, you know, anything related to the show, just check out the show notes because it's more than just a description of what you're getting on the podcast. There's also ways to contact me, our sponsors, who are hopefully you're checking out the uh, text messaging program that we have launched um, and so much more. So do check that out. Um, And speaking of next week, I will probably do a show on Memorial Day. I haven't decided one way or another if I'm going to, but I'm leaning towards doing one. So um, that if I do it, I'm going to tape it Sunday so that it runs Monday. And then I'll probably, you know, I'll just keep up with the five days a week format because there's still a lot to talk about. Um, so next week, obviously, we'll have um, the next OTA, which I will, again, try to get a show together and get it out to you early. Um, and then I'm still working guys. I know a lot of you have said, when are you doing a live show with Tana and dog? I'm still working to try to get that, you know, right now my schedule is a little kind of, you know, jammed if you will. So maybe when things settle down, hopefully I can get, you know, Tana and dog to come on and we can, we can do a, a live show. Cause I miss those dudes. I know you guys do as well. So, um, that's the plan moving forward. So hope you will keep tuning in to the Lockdown Giants podcast. All right. Got a few more observations that I want to share with you. Um, I want to talk about special teams because there was a lot of special teams work done today in practice. And we all know last year that the coverage teams, not very good, ladies and gentlemen, we can all agree on that, I think. So what they were doing, um, they were doing a lot of work with the gunners, the gunner candidates, I should say. And a couple, interesting, there were a couple guys um, that I thought, uh, you know, uh, pairings, if you will, that were interesting. One pairing was Micah McFadden, the linebacker, and rookie receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton was a a gunner pairing. Another one, Cam Brown and O'Shane Zimenez. Now, I got to admit, I was really happy to see Cam Brown doing some gunner work. Because a couple of years ago, I thought Cam Brown as a gunner was pretty good. 
And they took him off that role last year for reasons why I don't know. So I was kind of happy to see him get an opportunity to do some work in those drills. And basically what the drills consisted of was a coach holding up one of those big padded bags and just kind of bumping the player um, who was trying to run past them, you know, kind of to beat, beat the, the jam, if you will. And Cam Brown was so quick down the field. So quick. He was like one of the first guys down the field. Um, There was about six guys uh, catching punts, fielding punts. Um, amongst them, you had a Dory Jackson, Jalen Hyatt. You know, I see people still getting worked up over that. Please do yourself a favor. Don't. They need somebody, obviously, to field the punts. So the six guys were just, you know, taking turns because, you know, it's good practice just catching the ball because, like you said, the punt has a different rotation than a pass or a kickoff. That's all it is. It doesn't mean that a Dory Jackson is going to be the punt returner or Jalen Hyatt's going to be the punt returner. You know, that's still to be determined. So please don't work yourself up about that. The personal protector, this is kind of interesting. That was a role last year that Julian Love held until he was pulled off specials because of his increased role on defense. So the Giants had um, two guys uh, kind of mixing in there. One was Matt Burita, who I think was a backup last year. And I want to say did the role once Julian Love got pulled off of it. The other was Bobby McCain, who could play specials. So Giants looking to improve on special teams, particularly on the coverage unit. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, Jamie Gillen, he, he was bad. He was inconsistent, yes, but you know what? He wasn't helped by his coverage. So the Giants really looking to address that. Hopefully with the additional speed, they actually pull that off. All right, uh, let's see. A couple other things. I mentioned uh, in the other segment that Amani Orarari just didn't have a good practice, in my opinion, was beaten twice on deep balls and hesitating. Shane Lemieux got some snaps at center. And I was watching him. And remember how I was talking about with, with, with John Michael Schmitz keeping his head up as opposed to dropping it to look at, you know, what he was doing with the ball. That's what I saw Shane Lemieux doing. I saw him dropping his head, you know, to look at, you know, hand placement on the ball and snapping the ball and then quick picking it up. And you just, I, I don't know, man, you, you do that in, in a real game snap scenario and your, your opponent's going to be on you faster than you know what hit you. So I kind of get the impression that with Shane Lemieux, it's almost like, and I, and I know it's early and that Dable said that, you know, jobs aren't won or lost, but it's almost like they're trying to find a place for him. I don't think he's going to be the left guard. I think that competition will conceivably come down to Bredesen and Josh Azudu. So if Bredesen wins it, then they need a backup for John Michael Schmitz and Maybe the hope is that Shane Lemieux could do it. But what was interesting is, is that if I remember correctly, last summer before he got injured, I don't remember Shane Lemieux doing much with center or at center, I should say. And I'm going back to the to the spring as well. So um, I just found that interesting that they're looking to find a spot for him. Whether or not center is it, that I, I can't tell you because that remains to be seen. All right. 
Um, one final thought. Uh, we also heard from the players, the, the uh, guys that went to the podium, Xavier McKinney, Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, Bobby O'Karake, and Andrew Thomas. And um, the, the main story, obviously, was Darren Waller, who's a super nice guy, by the way, really intelligent, very polite, very outgoing. I mean, I, I was really, you know, this is my first real opportunity to talk to, to Waller and hear from him. And I really liked what I heard from the guy, very humble, you know, said he's a football player. He doesn't need to be this guy who has a hundred catches, you know, one of these, give me the damn ball type guys, um, as we've seen throughout the the course of uh, the NFL. So I think the Giants got themselves a good one there. Now he obviously needs to stay healthy. That's important, but I think you know, again, going back to what I said at the start of the show, that Daniel Jones to Darren Waller connection, that's going to be something special and something fun to watch, I think. Um, now, some of you are also probably wondering, well, what about the rest of the rookies? I didn't see a whole lot with Jalen Hyatt to, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't think I took that. I think I might have put down one note and, you know, not really relevant or worth talking about. Um Deontay Banks was there after graduating. Uh, pretty clear to me that the starting job is his to lose. So it was, it was him and uh, Adoree Jackson. Jordan Riley got some, you know, some uh, 11 on 11 snaps. What with uh, Dexter Lawrence not there. I don't think Sean Robinson was there. Leonard Williams not there. So, you know, look, when guys aren't there, it's an opportunity for the younger guys to get some snaps. But you can't really gauge what these guys can do, especially in the pit, until the pads go on. One guy who did kind of um, who did make a nice play, and I thought had a nice practice under the radar type of nice practice, was Javarius Owens, who is uh, one of the safeties. So he was very active and took smart angles to the ball, and uh, just got himself in, in, into position to knock passes away. So I thought he had a good practice as well. So. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I have for you today. I hope that was uh, enough to whet your appetite. Um, It was fun being out there. A little bit of a windy day, but not too bad. You know, it wasn't too chilly out there, but windy more so than anything. Um, So I want to thank you for tuning in to the Lockdown Giants podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, thank you for making us your first listener today or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you next week, Giant fans.